Awesome. Well, thank you, Paul Minda and you wonderful people in this church. And what a privilege to come and hang out with you. It really is. And uh, I, I appreciate those kind words from Paul. He said them and left. So, uh, But yeah, we... Uh, okay, thank you. Thanks. Very kind. Um, I really do want to meet that guy that he just spoke of. And, uh, but I guess I'll try and be there today. No pressure. Yeah, in heaven. But uh, we do appreciate partnership, and, uh, and listen, I, I get probably the awkwardness when we're in a home now, and we're smaller, and it, to me, honestly, we've all been through some stuff, and I think it's a good thing what we've gone through, because it's made us who we are, but also it's cut, brought us back to what really matters, and so I, I just want to encourage you, and, and like Nicole said, you guys have been handpicked, I'm not here just to blow wind in your ear, really, handpicked by heaven. For such a time as this, with all the stuff we walk through and going through and in this region, in this time, Paul says in Acts 17, 26, God has determined the exact places and times, not where we travel to and visit, where we live. And he goes on and said, God did this so men would seek him, reach out and find him, though he not far from each one of us. In him we live and move and have our being. And, and I just want to encourage you, handpicked by heaven for such a time as this, relocated some of you from other places here. Others of you maybe just been born and bred here, whatever it be, but for such a time as this. And not just to hang in and hope for, but actually that people may find God because you are here. And so yeah. we, we, we believe in what God's doing here. Yeah. We believe in what God's doing across Michigan and the United States here in Detroit, but also with you guys in this local church. Border City Church is not a, a, a good idea. It's really not. If it is, I wouldn't come, be honest, waste my time and money to come. I mean that. We wouldn't go to something we think is a good idea. It's, good ideas are gone. <laughs> it's God and God's plan. And it can look different and it must look different. But it must reflect Jesus Christ in all that it is. And so we do appreciate the partnership, friendship. Well done to keep on through the season. And I'm sure it's been hanging in there at times. But God's got some great things in store in this season, not when we come out of the season. And so I trust we can share some of those things. And I was just thinking while we were singing it, I love that Waymaker song. I probably everybody loves it right now. It's the anthem of the world in the church. And, uh, you know, you are here. And it's like, it doesn't matter where we gather, although it matters maybe to the world and maybe some of us church people. But wherever we gathered in his name, he's with us. And I always remember when Billy Graham, I'm sure many of you heard of Billy Graham. I think he's one of the greatest evangelists that ever lived. And certainly not perfect, but won millions and millions of people to Jesus and stayed the course till he died, which is honorable in these days. And uh, I remember watching him being interviewed and he was going to preach in some uh, state or somewhere in England and the, the Queen of England was going to attend the meeting that he was speaking at. And so the journalists and the media were asking him, so, so Mr. Graham, how do you feel about the Queen being, at your church, uh, being in the meeting um, tonight? And he was like, well, I'm very honored that she'll be there. And that's a great thing. And what, you're trying to be polite in the whole. And, and they said, well, yeah, we understand that. But are you nervous? And so they kept pro, like pushing for an answer of how do you feel about preaching in front of the queen? And eventually he just stopped and he said, you know what? I'm incredibly honored that she'll be there. But I want to tell you this, that every single time I preach anywhere, the king of kings is always in our midst. Yes. And he said, I fear that more than the queen who will sit in the front row. And I just, listen, it doesn't matter, big, small, irrelevant, indifferent, whatever we think, he is in our midst. 
I care for that. And that's who I want to impress this morning. That's who I want to represent this morning. That's who I want to talk about this morning. And I trust that is true for all of us to say, doesn't matter size, He is here. And when He's here, things happen. He shifts our focus and adjusts us and puts us in more of what He wants us to be. And I think that's what we really have come back to. So thank you for the opportunity. If you've got a Bible, go with me to the book of Colossians. I'm going to read Colossians chapter 1. And I know a very well-worn text, but I'm asking, I think the season we've been in requires us to re-hear things with fresh ears and fresh eyes. See and hear what God's saying. And I, I think we've been so good in past to quote Scripture, know Scripture, but today I'm asking you, will you hear it again in the context of where we are today in this region and nation and where God's called us to go? And there's some things I've been saying, God, show me again. What do you want to show me? What, what do you want me to see when I read the Word of God? It's amazing how the stuff we knew so well is becoming so much more real. Because in seasons like we've been in, it requires us to see something afresh and see what God's doing. I mean, to, to state the obvious, crazy times we have been living in. Uh, whatever it's been like for you, it's been crazy. I mean, 2019 was avoid negative people. 2020, avoid positive people. 2021, avoid all people. Like that's kind of just the oversight. How do I stay away? And, uh, and again, it's, not, it's just, it's been, and it's not been an American thing. It's a global thing. And, and to be honest, I think that it's been incredibly painful for everyone and weird. And, but God has not brought this. God has allowed this. And the reason I know God allowed it is because it's happened. And God uses, we all claim He turns all things for the good. And then when He does some of this stuff, we're like, where are you, God? He's turning some of this for the good. And I want to say to you today, wherever you've been, is that the moment that we have been in has not paused the mission that He's put us on. God never stopped what He was doing through this season. God, I think, paused what we were doing. To remind us again of what He is doing. To bring us back to what He's doing. And to remind us that without Him, we can do nothing. And so I'm grateful. Although it's been difficult, I'm grateful this side of eternity He revealed to that, us, that to us. So we can adjust in this season. Rather than one day get to heaven and see how much we wasted our lives hoping we were hitting the mark God had. It's the goodness of God. It's the kindness of God. And even if your world's been shaken like mine and a whole lot of stuff's fallen, God is shaking in this season because the shaking, that's which stands, is the kingdom. And we need to be about that. That's what Hebrews 12 tells us. And so I want to just also say that I, I've said this yesterday or last night with you guys, but Lee, I, I feel like destiny has, is revealed far more in seasons of crisis and confrontation than it is in seasons of comfort and convenience. And again, whatever your take is, 2019 and before, maybe it was difficult for you then, but we all had momentum. We were all running with something and getting on with it. And we had comfort and we had convenience and we're looking to be even more convenient and more comfort. And, and then suddenly, boom, whatever, crisis and confrontation. And for me, as I look globally around the whole world, I feel like the church has come back to true destiny. God has revealed the destiny of the church, not momentum, the destiny. And brought us back to the things that really matter. And I think that's a great thing. We, we cannot 
be nostalgic for an era that no longer exists. Pre-COVID is come and gone. We're not there, and I'm not saying COVID won't go. What? But we can't wait to get back to something we're never going to get back. We cannot be nostalgic and long for what was. We are now in, and we're heading to a new season in God. And we've got to partner with God in the now and partner with what God's doing into the future. Does that make sense? I hope it's not new. I want to also say ignorance is not bliss. <laughs> and this season has shown us. And uh, even when we're saying, even though we can't see that we know you're working and I mean, it sounds so wonderful, doesn't it? But we don't know that. And it's like, even if I can't feel you, are you here? But I know theologically you are. Friends, we cannot be ignorant in this season. I feel like ignorance is, bl- is not bliss. Because God wants us to work with what He's doing. He wants us to see what He's doing so we can line up with what He's doing again. So it's not like you do your thing, God. We'll pray for it and we cheer you on. No, we have to partner with God. As individuals, as local churches, come back to what are you doing, God? And how do we line up with what you're doing again? And how do we get on board with what you're doing in this time and season? Not hoping one day to get back to some kind of ministry and mission. God's doing things now. And I think ignorance is not bliss. We need to see what He's doing and be less concerned about what we're doing and more concerned about what He is. Now, I have an accent, but I'm an American, all right? So when I talk about America, I'm talking to us, not you, us. And I'm a leader in this nation. I planted a church in this nation, and I live in this nation, and I love this nation, and I love the church in this nation with all her issues. And Jesus loves the church in this nation, and we are not here for leftovers. We're in the sweet spot of the will of God. And while our nation's been shaken and our church has been shaken, the church, the true church, is standing up and becoming what God intended that will impact this nation and the nations of the world from America and in America. And so when I talk about the American church, I'm talking about me and you, not just you, because I have an accent. Are you with me? Our, we are the church. And we can't point fingers. We are the people saying, all right, Lord, what are you saying to us? And what needs to change? And I'm pretty sure you've already heard all these things. But I believe COVID-19 has exposed many things in our nation. In our government and in our nation. But it's also exposed us in the church. The North American church got exposed in this season. COVID exposed the North. You know what it exposed? That our foundation has been built on so many things other than Jesus Christ. ministries, churches have been built around people and giftings and, and charismatic gifts and, and whatever. And, and when things got exposed, we realized our foundation has been wrong because Jesus Christ has to be the foundation of all things. And we've all said, yeah, Jesus is, but actually our ministers were, or our people were, our pastors were, our facilities were, our building, and all those things are important, but they can never be the foundation that we build on. And I believe it's been exposed. And not to them, to us too. I believe God, honestly, is birthing a whole new structure. A new pattern. A new wineskin that will be built on Christ. And that will be better representing Christ than some ministry or some gifting or some person. I think many in our great nation have tried Jesus. but they've, I mean, have tried church, but they've never tried Jesus. Why is that? Because the church has not represented Christ the way we were supposed to. And I want to say this prophetically, and not one day, coming out of this era, whatever it is, we're going to 
there's going to be, a, and I hope this doesn't offend you, a lovesick bride who has met with her lover, her bridegroom king, and will do for him way more out of love than will do out of duty or religion. That's what I believe the church needs more than ever. And I believe we're in that moment, in that season. I believe Border City Church needs that. And even if you're visiting this morning, we need to all come back to it. I will do anything and everything, not because I have to, not because it's my religion or my duty or I'm forced to, but my connected, I've reconnected to the head. And I'm going to serve him and represent him here in the pattern, in the structure, and whatever going forward, it's going to represent him. I think the most revealing thing about this church and any church, or you as individuals who claim to be followers of Jesus, the most revealing thing about you is your truthful understanding about Jesus. We've often said that our Christology determines our missiology. And our missiology determines our ecclesiology. Now for you sinful people, if you've come across the border from Canada, let me explain that to you. <laughs> Sorry, that's a joke. But I can say that because Windsor's just there, right? But, but you can't cross without tests. I've tried. Okay, but anyway, here, here's what I want to say. Our revelation of Jesus. Please hear this because we are talking mission this morning too. But our revelation of Jesus determines our mission here on earth. And our mission determines the church. But for too long, maybe we as the church in our great nation have said, we are the church. We send missionaries on mission at times. Oh, and on Easter and Christmas, we better remember our head, Jesus Christ. But other than that, we're kind of doing our own thing. And we're trying to build church. And we're trying to do stuff. And we're trying to tag mission on. And we've got to find a place for people to go. And friends, we got it all back to front. Until Christ is the revelation, we'll never walk in the mission. You can't live beyond yourself or for others if Christ is not the head of your life. He's the one who motivates. I don't have to stand here and motivate people when we get the revelation of Jesus. It's our vision, our revelation, our Christology determines our missiology. And the moment missiology is your, your focus, you forget the head. The moment the church becomes our focus, we forget the head. But when you love Jesus, you love His church. When you love Jesus, you are on mission with Jesus here and wherever you go. And that's why the revelation of Jesus matters more than ever before. Are you, are you there? Focus on Christ. He will focus us on our mission. And our mission will shape the church we become. Colossians chapter 1. Let's quickly read. For time's sake, let me go to verse 13, and I'm going to read from the NIV, Rodney. So if that's going to offend your ORU or your wherever you're from, sir, please forgive me. All right, but I will not read the ESV. How's that? Because I'm not English. Okay, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and he's brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. Love that. I mean... Man, we could spend the whole morning just talking about that, but we've been transferred, rescued from death, from the, the, the domain of darkness, not just from, from, from darkness, the, the, the power of darkness. I love that Jesus forgives us all of all sins. I mean, how awesome is that? But also He breaks the power of sin. We've been rescued from the domain of darkness, but also we've been not just taken out. And many people are walking out, I'm saved out of, but what are you saved into? Something even better than what you came out of. Yeah. Yeah. 
We don't talk about it. We talk about, oh, you are really bad and you're druggy and you're a hell's angels. And you got saved. Yeah, and then? Well, then I got saved. No, no. Tell me about where you are today. You've been transformed. Yeah. Transferred from death to life. From, and we've been saved into, yeah. not the church, the kingdom. So all the shaking that's happening, what's coming down in your life and mine and in the church, is not kingdom. Thank God it's been shaken. So we're wasting our time in things that are not ours. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, in someone called Jesus. Verse 15, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation for in him all things were created things in heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities all things have been created through him and for him just to remind you it's all about him he is before all things and in Him, all things hold together, if we still don't believe it's all about Him. Verse 18, and He, speaking of Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. You, you know, just let me say this, jump ahead, because I probably won't get there. I would love if we had time to go around and ask you, what's the great pivot of this season we've been in? Because there has been pivoting that has had to take place. And I believe, and it sounds cliche, I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but the great pivot of the church in this season we've gone through globally, and certainly in our great nation, is the church has had to move from doing church to being the church. Are you there? And it is more than a Sunday gathering. And if we are pivoted now from doing to being the church, the head is more important than ever before. If we do church on a Sunday, honestly, we can claim it's a Jesus thing and we love Him and we sing about it, but we go and do our own thing out there. But if it's the body that has now become, the head more is more important than ever before. Because a body without a head is a corpse. We've got no chance of functioning if there's, the head's not in place. And just to remind you, one head, Jesus Christ. The, if you have more than one head, it's a monster. The church has become a monster with all these heads. One head. We just read. And He is the head of the body, the church. And He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything... I'm going to do the American pastor, the preacher thing. Say everything. In the English, in the Dutch, in the Greek, in the Hebrew, everything means everything. Oh yeah, good truth, Tyron. Is it? Yeah, it's brilliant truth. But Jesus has been given first place, preeminence, supremacy in everything. That he might have supremacy, preeminence, in, in simple terms, first place in it all. So I've come back to this thing. We always taught the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Well, I agree with that, but actually I think it's more the main thing is to keep the main one the main yeah. thing. Yeah. Jesus has to have first place in everything. 
And I think that's what we've come back to. We know this, and but actually when the church comes back to first place in everything. Let, let me step on some of toes this morning. Maybe I will, people are going to hear this. And I'm not here to offend you. I'm here to challenge me and us to say yeah. this. Jesus and anything will end up anything except Jesus. Even those of us who are mission-driven or church-planning-driven or Great Commission-driven or justice-driven, Jesus and justice, never. It's Jesus, then justice. Jesus, then church-planning. Jesus, then nations. Jesus, then discipling. Why? Because I have learned just from watching in the last 40 years church history, and I'm sure those of you involved in anything, whenever there is a cause that is next to Jesus, that cause always takes the place of Jesus. And that's been the problem in our church globally and certainly in our great nation is that we are cause-driven rather than Jesus-driven. And listen, when the cause takes the place of Jesus, because every time it does, it becomes the most divisive thing in the church. And so right now we've got cause-driven churches causing (laughs) issues for the church because it's not under Christ. But when we bring the cause He's put in our hearts under Jesus, not next to Jesus, under Jesus, it finds its rightful place and with all due respect, it actually finds its significance. Think about that. I'm, I'm sure some of us, if we were honest, have these causes that are God causes in our hearts. We, we want to stand up for the oppressed or, or we want to take care of the poor or we've got this heart for for rich people. We, I hope you still have a heart for them too. They're not just harder to get a, a camel through a needle eye or whatever so they can just go to hell and we'll take care. I mean, friends, we've got to have a heart for all people. Some of you may be on mission. I know some of you got this heart like me to go to the nations and to break open regions. And that's God-given. God gave you that. The, the, the things you carry in your hearts are from God. There's nothing wrong with them. But those things cannot take the place of Jesus. And they can't even line up next to Jesus. It's not Jesus and anything. It's Jesus, then everything. The main thing is keeping the main one. The main thing. And everything else finds its significance in that. Are you in agreement with me? So it's not Jesus and anything. Even the stuff we read in Scripture. It's Jesus, then everything. Because we've just read, in all things, everything, He'll have first place. He'll be first. He'll be preeminent, supreme. Alright, so, oh yeah, good truth, I believe this time. Great, well let me try and be as practical as I can. And I'm going to be a bold preacher, because I've probably preached this before. So you've heard this, but hear it afresh this morning, if you don't mind. Alright, so can I jump in here? I'm going to... I've never done this in a house, so... You are guinea pigs here and I don't know how to do this but we're going to try it all right and it might fall flat but I'm trying to help the Canadians if they're watching by making it very simple sorry I'll just have a way I can say that in the Americans they get offended so all right so here's how I kind of see it and if you is this how does this stick where, where is yeah, it, it does I don't want to ruin their tv eh? all right doesn't matter bro is it can you all see that okay now Here's what I'm going to try. I've preached this in different ways, but I'm going to try and bring it to what we just read and say, how does that fit for us? How does Christ have first place in everything? And again, I feel like we can unpack it 
where some of these things are, are our causes, but we realize they make no sense if they're not linked to Christ. This is the best way I can explain it. Life. <laughs> when we need to understand context. We need to, and I don't claim to be God here by any means, but I know God looks at us through lenses very different to how we see ourselves. And we need to shift our thinking, not just to how we see God, but how God sees us here on this planet, so we can function in the fullness of what He has. So life. I, I, I don't know where you've come from. You might have even been born and raised in the church, but you still need to hear this. Your life matters to God. And don't let me get into the, the weeds of how we honor animals more than people in our nation right now. It's insane. And if you're a lover of, of animals, don't get offended, but you better love people more. Yeah. And I was saying, we would walk over, we step over, Homeless people. I'm not saying, do, but but we would to rescue a stranded dog. We would never leave a dog on the side of the road or a cat. But people, we step over them to get to the dog because we don't understand the value of individual people made in the image of God. But you can't value others if you haven't understood the value of you. And if I'm not going to get, if I'm going to get any amens, it's going to be my first point. Because if I don't get amens for this, you're not going to amen the rest. It's getting harder. <laughs> but we all claim this thing. Psalm 139. Let me read it. Psalm 139, verse 13. For you, David say, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Do you see destiny? Do you see purpose? Even if it seems like you were a mistake, and maybe there are people in this room who don't even know who their parents are, never met them, and you've been told you're a mistake. But I'm just going to tell you, you, if you don't believe Psalm 139, then you can't believe John 3.16. Yeah. So you better question your salvation if you're questioning your value. Verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Isn't that incredible? I mean, 2020 and COVID and all this stuff gone down. The Bible says that all the days before one of them happened were ordained for you and I. Surely, in it all, we realize the destiny of God. I don't understand it. I'm not even going to try. I just want to say, I choose to believe this. So here's what I want to say. I believe, and some people get offended when I say this, but I believe Jesus would have come to this planet to save just me if I was the only man or person on this planet. You say arrogance. No, value. He didn't come for masses. He came for individuals who make up the masses. And you say, oh, that's good for you, Tyrone. No, is that good for you? Do you believe, it's not arrogance, it's value. Do you believe you are that value? Because the rest of it doesn't make sense if you don't see your value. How do you tell people God loves them when you don't believe God loves you? How do you tell people they need what you got when you don't have what you got, should have because you're questioning everything you've done and do and your value is determined in what you do rather than who He's called you to be? Does that, does that make sense, friends? 
your life matters. I don't know how else to say that. And don't tell them their life matters if yours doesn't. He made us with delight. He made us for dignity. All these people, whatever they are bringing and dignity. You have been made for dignity. He wants you to have dignity. No matter how people trash you and treat you, He doesn't do that. He made us with destiny, friends. Read, all these days ordained for me were written before one of them came. You put stuff in me to be what you've called me to be and for such a time as It's just so awesome to see the value of the individual again. He made us with duty, responsibility. He didn't just put us here and say, enjoy life. You've got a destiny and a duty. He made us with purpose. Uh, Winston Churchill says, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. There's significance. So you, you must be blessed because I'm blessed by this. And everyone's amen. But okay, so oh, it's all about me. No, I said it is, but now I'm going to tell you it's not all about you. Yeah. Yes, it's all about you, but it's not all about you. Can I? Where, oh, I've got it here. So are you, are you there? Secondly, I think, I believe, uh, and again, I'm trying to explain centrality of Jesus and in all things. I believe, secondly, we see in Scripture very clearly that your life is significant and has purpose, but in God's economy, it's got to be linked into a local church. Now, you know, now I'm not pushing an agenda. I'm telling you what the Bible says. Yeah, yeah. And you will notice I didn't put church, because everyone agrees church. Yeah. It's Ecclesia called out. I'm saved into, and now I'm the church. So we are the church. So yeah, I get... No, no, local church is in Scripture. And it's not pushing for it. We've got to understand God's value, and in all things, Jesus has first place. You can't have true life and live in the fullness of what God intended if you're not linked to a local church. So this is not a good idea or an optional extra for deluxe Christians. This is the way God sees His people. Look at Scripture. Uh, we just read that you uh, saved and rescued into the kingdom of God. But if in the book of Acts, they were saved into the church. They were saved into and they were part of the local body of Christ. And I'm not pushing the church because so many preach church. I'm preaching Christ but I'm also explaining the value is found in a local church called friendship and partnership and understanding together. So people will come and people will go. And I reckon the season has exposed attenders rather than participators. People have taken off and don't need church. Great. According to scripture, we do. I believe in that. And listen, I don't even lead a local church. I'm based in the local church I planted. Do you know how hard that is? The church we started, we are in it, and I'm not in leadership. And I have to put up with all our great leaders messing up the thing we birthed. <laughs> Sorry. Sometimes I feel like it. And the best thing for me would be maybe just leave. Go do it again. And the Lord hasn't called me to leave. He called me to be knitted in the house He's called me to be till He moves me on. And I'm not going to be a pain. I'm going to be a blessing. And I'm going to function in what I can to help the church become all God intended. So I can't operate in the bigness if I'm not... Functioning out of the local. And I know we've had some bad experiences in our nation in the church, but we can't get rid of it because of our experience. We come back to what really matters again. You cannot be connected to Jesus and separated from His body. And you can't say you're part of the body if you're not connected to people. <laughs> There's no scripture that backs that in the Bible. Every brick needs a wall. <laughs> if you're into Pink Floyd like me. 
every priest needs a hood, and I'm staying downtown Detroit, so yeah, there's some hoods there. Every priest needs a hood. Every sheep needs a pen. Every tree needs to be planted. Psalms 92 verse 12, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like cedar of, ba- of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of God. They will still bear fruit in old age. Yeah. Why? Because they stay fresh and green. Why? Because they are planted. And I want to tell you, being planted means being submitted. Oh, it's not a word Americans like to hear. But I get it. But it's not about submitting your life and coming under rulership. It's submitted to Jesus and accountable to people around us who will help us, not control us, help us grow and become who God intended us to be. We all quote this, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, see I can go together. Well, I just want to get there. And it's such a pain that all these people don't get it, what I'm trying to do. And so it's better me and Jesus. I wish I could find that in the Bible because I want to live that too. But he puts me with people. And I want to just say, you've got to believe God's put you in this church for this season. I think our biggest problem in local churches, and as a privileged one who leads, has led churches as well as attends churches, is we need the same conviction. There's no way we would ordain an elder to be an elder in a church who's not convinced God's called them to be an elder in that church for that season. I think at the same conviction should be every individual in that church should believe God's put them in that church for that season. Can you imagine if you settled, God put you here, 95% of the issues would be gone. And we wouldn't have to spend every Sunday convincing you to be here. And you will get better offers everywhere else. And who cares what offers you're getting? Because God puts you where God puts you. And when God moves you, you go properly. But you don't just take off and leave and get better options. Because there are better options everywhere until you get to that option. Because the grass is always greener somewhere else until you get somewhere else. Someone said, if the grass is greener next door, maybe your grass just needs some watering. Right? So I get this, friends. I get to understand. And listen, we've all been in this. And I'm not sure I fit here. I'm not kind of sure this is where we fit. Now listen, that's real, but it's unreal because you'll never fit anywhere. Unless you're doing everything. I love Isaiah 41, verse 19. says this. This is what God says. I will put you in the desert. I'll put in the desert the cedar and the acacia, the myrtle and the olive. I'll set junipers in the wasteland and the fern and the cypress together. Now, forgive my ignorance. I don't even know what those plants are. I know you've got plants and shrubs. I'm not one of those people. But I know this. Those trees, shrubs, and bushes don't belong in the desert. And secondly, they don't all belong together. You getting it? So he's taking what doesn't belong, what doesn't fit naturally. And he's going to take what doesn't belong and doesn't fit, and he's going to make it fit supernaturally. And why is he going to do that? Well, we read on. So that people may see and know and consider and understand. It's the hand of the Lord that has done this. (laughs) I don't want to read into it, but in my simplicity and understanding, what he's saying is, I'm going to take what doesn't belong naturally, shouldn't be together naturally, and I'm going to put it together, I'm going to make it fit. I'm going to do this so people can see, I did this. For too long the church is trying to, we're going to do this. 
We're going to have like-minded, like-hearted, like-looking, like-people, like-music, like... Because that's where we fit. And that's, you'll never fit. Where do you fit where God puts you? <laughs> and He doesn't put you with friends, unfortunately. He puts you with family. And family, you don't choose. I'm telling you, I choose my friends, and when we agree to disagree, they're usually my friends because we all agree on everything. And then we're not friends when they no longer agree, and we can leave each other. But family, we don't agree on much, but we are family, and actually it helped me grow up in the family I was put in, not the friends I have. Are you listening, friends? I'm pretty sure, if you just look around, let's just be honest, I'm sure there's some irritating people in this room towards you. That naturally, you'd be like, I wouldn't hang out with them. And that's the good thing. God didn't put you to hang out with them naturally. He put you together with them to grow up and to reflect His yeah. glory and get the job done. Yeah. So ultimately, you need each other to grow up, and they need you so they can grow up. Yeah. And some of these bushes and trees and shrubs are like pinpricked, uh, prickly bushes, and some are cedar sweet-smelling. You might be the sweet-smelling, and next to you is the offensive one who's always prickling and rubbing up the wrong way. But you need each other. And I'm not saying you're not going to have issues. What I'm saying is keep your eyes on what He's called you to, where He's put you. You can't thrive where He hasn't put you. Even if you like it where He hasn't put you, you won't thrive. It's got to be where He's planted. Does it make sense? And uh, Anyway, it's not an optional extra. I think right now we've got to get back to where God wants us to be, not I'm fishing around to find where I fit because you'll spend the next 20 years looking for where you fit to find you haven't been planted and you can't grow. It's God's way of protection and family and putting people around us. And online's awesome, but it can't take the place of this. Yeah. The great pivot was not to put the church online, it was to get the church out of a building. Yeah. Now we're all online and laying in our pajamas, watching us and yawning through it and disagreeing and fast forward and no account, of, no connection. How do you plant it in that? It's not mocking. It's just like we, we're not good at reading. We just move from one to the other being distracted. Now I'm preaching the converted because you're here this morning. And I'm asking you to see the value, not for Paul and Minda or for Border City, for you in the economy of what God's called you to. Does it make sense? I hope you... So it means submitted. It means serving. Not serving the elders or serving the church. Serving God together in reaching people. It's not about... I think that's where we've gone wrong in the church. We want you to serve me. Come serve me in my vision. Show me that in the Bible. I mean, it sounds good for me if no one else. And so people eventually burn out serving the pastor's mandated mission. We're serving God together as He puts us together. And while I have a role to play, or He has a role as a visionary and whatever, He's not taking your responsibility and He's not telling you what to do. We're doing this together for the King. Serving the King together by reaching our region and city and nation. Isn't that awesome? It's liberating. I believe the church needs to view itself as Jesus did. It's the agent of God's mission it's not the goal of God's mission. <laughs> the church is not the goal. The church is the agent of the mission. It's not the mission. Does that make sense? And so I think where we've gone wrong is we've made church the mission. And we wonder why everyone's leaving in despair and is shaken and falling. And when we can't gather, it's all over. Why? Because the church was the mission. And nowhere in Scripture is the church the mission. The church is the agent of mission. So that's why you need to be in a local, but the local's not the mission. Yeah. And it's not about getting them all into our local church out there and come to my church and think I've now evangelized because I invited someone. That's not evangelism. That's just an invite to a meeting. Right. The church does not send. The church is sent. 
carry out the mission of God. Meaning what? We are inherently missional. We've got to be missional. The church is not a place, it's a people. Well then the people need to be the people wherever they go, not in a gathering on a Sunday. Mission is not a function of the church. The church exists for mission. Someone said this, I love this. The church exists by mission as a fire exists by burning. It's not an optional extra. Isn't that awesome? Can I just, oh, can the, the church will never be more missional than its leaders. So you can have a guy get up and talk mission all they want. Until the leaders are missional, the people will never be missional. It actually dilutes the preaching if you're not missional. You've got to live what you preach. So I watch, forgive me, I've watched globally and even in our nation, you get the missional pastor in to stir us to mission and then you get the normal pastor back in the pulpit the next week and it's all about the church. If you're not missional, your people won't be. So here's the thing, can the true church please stand up? <laughs> That's what we need, the true church to stand up in the season, pivoting from doing church to being the church. And I think that's the great pivot we needed. All right, just remember this. God doesn't give cities to churches. God gives churches to cities to impact them for the gospel. It's not we are, they are here for us. It's we are here for them. All right, are you with me? So thanks for a couple of amens. So that's cool. So I think the pastors right now are excited by what I just said. Now they're about to get mad at me because there's another context to this thing. It's called the Great Commission. Here we go. So we just talked about the church being missional. Well, it only can be missional when we understand the context of the local church in context of the Great Commission. Remember that? Yeah. It's almost like we forgot the most important thing. Jesus' last words to his church, to his followers, was, go make disciples of all nations. We've done everything but that thing. Those were his last commands to his people. And he said, and I'm going to be with you while you're doing it till the end. So the Great Commission is essential. And, and can I just again say it's not sending a handful of people to Mexico to go build stuff on, a, uh, at, on the summer break or sending them to Africa. And I love both those regions and nations. But it's not a one-a-year thing of going to help people. It's an all-day, everyday thing of making disciples wherever we are. Yeah. Great Commission is making disciples, followers of Jesus, yeah. making followers of Jesus. It's not something we tag on. It's something we live in day in and day out. And it's Acts 1.8 means it's in your region and the uttermost parts of the earth. And it's not when you get one right will go. It's all simultaneously being followers of Jesus, making followers of Jesus. Does that, does that make sense? It's, this is the numero uno responsibility of the church. Number one, this is what we're going to stand before God for. Yeah. Yet it seems like we've got a bunch of attenders and followers, but not making followers. And that's where I think we've got to come back to it's only a great commission because it's ordained by a great king, all right? The only thing that makes it great is our king. That's why it's a great commission. But the two pillars of the church, the great commandment, love the Lord with all your heart and all your soul, and the great commission, and go make disciples of all nations. They're hand in hand. That's the church's mandate, and that's why we need to be in the great commission. You, it's in the Bible. You believe me or do I need to give you the scripture. The first five books of the New Testament are all... A great commission. And in actual fact, the book of Genesis, from the beginning, be fruitful and multiply. Genesis 12, Abraham to be a blessing to all. I mean, listen, you, you can't read even Old Covenant and see the mission is to make disciples of Jesus. 
It doesn't make sense. So it's not like some churches are missional and we are like the stay home. No, no. It, all church should be missional because yeah. we're about the Great Commission. Yeah. So it's not like these guys are bringing a new thing. They're bringing a biblical thing. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I can be bold enough to say in our last meeting when you guys were in, came to Denver for our team meeting, I actually said to, I had a prophetic word for them. And yeah. I was like, God said he didn't bring you to... To fit in, he brought you to stick. <laughs> and, I, and, and it's not like what they're doing is wrong and what you're doing is right. It's God wants to bring another expression to what he's doing here. And it's not, why do we need another church? Like every other church. Seriously, why do, we don't need a church on every corner doing exactly the same thing. We need the uniqueness of the responsibility, but the mission is the same in every church if we're yeah. biblical. Yeah. The expression must be different. Yeah. Amen? It's not a good idea. It's not an NCMI thing. I'm so tired of we being blamed for this truth. It's His truth. I didn't do this. I've got better ideas, to be honest. I've got some ideas how you can all serve me. But according to that, it's not there. So how dare I tell you that? What does Pizza Hut make? Pizza. Not good pizza, but pizza, right? Sorry. What does Krispy Kreme make? Makes fat people, but yeah, okay. What does Starbucks make? What does the church make? Can you imagine going to Starbucks after this meeting and go, can I have a coffee? Sorry, sir, we did not serve coffee here. <laughs> Is this Starbucks? Yeah. Then you're misrepresenting your brand. Where's your coffee? We don't have coffee. Why? We have all these other things. We've got some great treats. Try some tea. Try. You are coffee makers. Don't have coffee in our one. Go to another one. You would not go to anything. Why? Because they are not misrepresenting their brand. The church is misrepresenting their brand. They're not making disciples. And we're not pointing fingers there. We must make disciples. That is what we're to be known for. Someone said Christians have bumper stickers stickers and catchphrases. Believers have creeds and promises. Disciples have scars and stories. Be a disciple. You know, a decision will get you to heaven. But a disciple will take a whole lot more people with you. Be a disciple. All right. So, okay, cool, Tyron. I get that. I'm still encouraged. Great. Quickly, I'm nearly there. I believe the Great Commission is in the context of the gospel. All right? You with me? Can I, can I just say this? What we win people with is what we win people to. Are you, are you there? Whatever we win people with is what we win them to. And I don't know if the gospel is what people are hearing because we dupe it down and tone it down and make it more attractive and then they wonder why the whole world falls apart, including theirs, because we weren't honest about what the gospel really is. We've got people jumping through hoops to serve leaders rather than to understand they saved, born again, the gospel. So be careful. And I think that's what's been exposed. We've been preaching a gospel, but not the gospel. But the Great Commission is in the, cosp- in the context of the gospel. Romans 1.16, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It seems like the church became ashamed of a, a call to something that's going to cost you, although it's for free. So we added and tagged on and we made it far more attractive and it no longer became. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? It's the power of God unto salvation. If you saved you this morning, it wasn't some clever tricks from the pulpit. It was the gospel 
that took a dead man and made him alive. Not a bad dude and made him good. He made death life. And it's good enough to save every person in this region right now, even in the city. And it's good enough to have saved you. And you were wretched. Even if you weren't wretched, you were wretched. And you were dead. And He made you alive. And this gospel needs to be preached like never before. And I believe right now, America is more open to the gospel, the true gospel, than the playing school, playing church, politics, and all the nonsense that we've put out there. Forgive me. See, the gospel needs to be told to the world. It's the whole business of the whole church to get the whole gospel to the whole world, Charles uh, Spurgeon said. It's not up to the evangelists, the whole church to get the whole gospel to the whole world. You might say, well, how are we going to do that sitting in a house in Detroit? We're going to do it because that's the call. God will make a way if we say yes. The gospel is only good news if it gets to people in time. You know, there's such distraction, obviously, in these end time seasons. And listen, I'm not going to get into the politics of anything. But people ask all the time, do you think we're living in the end times? And I say, yes. If I'm wrong, it doesn't matter. Paul thought he was. Is Jesus coming back? I believe Jesus is coming back in my lifetime. He's never told me that, but I do believe. And I believe he's coming back while I'm leading New Covenant Ministries. So I want to lead it according to him coming back. And if I'm wrong, it doesn't matter. If I'm right, it matters. Yeah. Paul thought in his day Jesus was coming back and he got it wrong. But we are 2,000 years closer. Yeah. And so all this stuff begins to happen. And you've got COVID and pandemics and racial stuff and a division and wars and rumors of wars and political stuff. And it's all been shaken and people began to say, this is the end. And we must utilize, this could be the end. Are you ready to meet your master? Are you ready? But on the other side, we get caught up in times and dates. And now we've got the church filtering, are these the times? And they want to know. And interesting, it's not new. Look at scripture. They went to Jesus in Acts chapter 1 and said, so they asked him in verse 6 of Acts chapter 1. So when they met together, they asked, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Let me get in trouble. To the disciples, the restoration of the kingdom to Israel was a question that had eschatological end and end times implications because they conflated God's kingdom with their nation. Are you there? For them, it was just all the same thing. We, in our great nation, we mix politics, nationalism with religion and theology and eschatology. And it's dangerous because politics always wins. So they asked Jesus, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Imagine what Jesus said. Well, he said, it's not for you to know the times and dates set by my father authority. Are, are you there? Yeah. None of your business. A bit of nanya. <laughs> right now we're saying, you show me, Lord. You better tell me and I need to be in there and I need the prophets to prophesy who's going to win the election. And oh, Nonsense. And then they get it all wrong. Now the church has been shaken, doesn't have faith in God because the prophets got it wrong. Because God doesn't want us to know who's going to get into our White House because it's going to affect how we can, the church can function. I, I know this is breaking mindsets here, but this is the only nation that needs to know before the election who wins. Why? Because we believe God and government rather than God who knows what He's doing. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys. Are we okay? Are we friends? Yeah, I'm, yeah. 
Otherwise, every four years, we're going to all be happy or sad, and our faith's going to get rocked, and the mission's going to stop, because our faith's in the White House rather than God Himself. And I vote, and I did all those things, but you live with what you get, and God doesn't need us to know before. Why? Because not for you to know times and dates. It's irrelevant. Stop worrying about this stuff that's not your business. Then He does say, what is our business? But you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes in, you'll be my witnesses, Judea, Samaria, and the outermost parts of the earth. Isn't that incredible? What did he say? Those things don't matter, but if these are the end times, this is your mission. Focus on the call that I've called you to. All right, now, and then Matthew 24. Jesus himself was asked, and he said, these are the signs, and these things will begin to happen, and now we've got everyone talking end times, and reading the seasons, and is this it, and we're wasting time on things that we don't know. And if you need to know, well, then you'll never know until <laughs> we all know when he comes back. Are, are you there? We could, I mean, guys, I'm not having a go. We might all have friends who are all into the end times and that's their preaching. Get back to the mission. Jesus moves. And this gospel, he says, Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. What does he say? All this stuff will begin to happen. But here's what I want you to focus on. Getting this gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. Because it's not the mark of the beast. It's not the antichrist. It's not the vaccine. It's not Joe Biden. It's not Donald Trump. It's not whatever your thing is that will bring the end. It's the gospel preached to nations. The gospel preaching to all ethnos, all people groups. That's what brings the end according to Jesus. So he takes us trying to understand times and discern, is this the mark of the beast? And are we getting sheep? And I'm not getting into the politics. But we are wrestling over these things that do matter. But he says, get on with the mission. We're distracted by times rather than the mission. So I don't think there's ever been a greater time for the gospel to get to the nations of the world. Afghanistan right now, right or wrong, while I'm here, we have a moment to get in there. And preach the gospel. Yeah, we're running away. I get this hardship there, but we've got to get better again the gospel in crisis. That's, if we think, dream, and act, like how can we go in there? With COVID and all that happened, the first responders were our heroes. And we thought, well, let's get some of them fired up again to go into the nations. Let's think kingdom rather than just protection. Let's get into opportunities. I just feel like we can do better. If we're looking at not times and seasons, getting the gospel out. And then when those crises hit, we've got a moment to get in. Anyway, I believe in that. Two questions, one clear omission. Little to no information is ever given in the details of all the last day's things. But both answers, Acts 1, Matthew 24, refocus us on the mission. That's what God's done now. Refocus the mission. So let's be a people who faithfully proclaim the gospel everywhere. To the lost and the unreached. There's lost people in your nation. There's lost people in our nation. This city is, my goodness, lost. But there's a difference between lost and unreached. And we've got to focus equally on both. There are others who've never heard the gospel. They matter too. Other lost people have rejected the gospel. Unreached people have never heard the gospel. Please, this church, own both. Walk with broken hearts as you see the lost people here. But equally... There are tribes and tongues and ethnos groups out there that have never had the privilege of rejecting Jesus. And it's not, well, we'll pray for them. We will go. 
We are the church. It's part of our mission. And in God, we'll open doors as He opens and we'll walk through them. Is that okay? So it's to be told to the world, but it's also called to be taught. The gospel is not a message we carry out there. It's it's got to be taught to the church. Gospel is real. It's a way of life. Galatians 1 and chapter 1 and chapter 4. It's a message and a lifestyle. It's the regulator for right relationships. If we're about the gospel, we work out our issues. Do you know that? The church, when you're not gospel focused, you are issue driven and you hate each other. And you do. do you know that your issue with someone in this meeting, one could actually hinder the progress of the gospel. And so it's the regulator for right relationship. I can work with anyone willing if we are gospel focused. When we get in the way, our personal issues actually hinder the progress of the gospel. It reveals the standard of Christian living. Philippians 1.27 Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. Not worthy of the church or worthy of your ministry. Of the gospel. It's the regulator of our lifestyle. Alright. Two more. You guys have been very brave. Thank you. Kingdom. The gospel is in the context of the kingdom. Are you with me? Gospel of the kingdom. I won't be long here. And then I'll last to land with this. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom, it's righteousness. All these things will be added. Church is in the kingdom, the kingdom is in the church. But the church is not the kingdom. Does that make sense? And so I want to just say the gospel has a context. It's called the kingdom. It's not going to stand here, but that's okay. All right. Understand that. All right, you with me? We are in it. Are you guys leaving? Go to the nations? God bless you. No problem. Great to see you. I'm done. Give me... Five minutes, all right? And I'm finished. Um, yeah, we're offended. So, so kingdom, gospel in the context of the kingdom, right? The kingdom. And uh, so, take care. Bless you. Be safe. Thanks for coming. Um, here's what I want to say. We need a kingdom-shaped view of the church, not a church-shaped view of the kingdom. We are here to advance the kingdom. We're not here to build His church or advance our thing. We're here to advance His kingdom. And so we need that kingdom perspective over the local church rather than the local church to try and work out what the kingdom is. Does that make sense? We can't coexist. (laughs) People say, well, why don't we all just get along? Like they do their thing, we'll do ours. And Because we're not church focused, we're kingdom focused. And there's two kingdoms. There's only two, and they're in conflict. They're not side by side. They don't get along. Kingdom of darkness and kingdom of light. There's conflict. And all the stuff going on, we, our battle's not against flesh and blood, but know that we'll never get along. There's no utopia here. It could be if we just about our ministry and our church, but we're not. We're about kingdom. And the two kingdoms are in conflict. And so I understand the kingdom and the essentialness. And I want to just say that a church without a kingdom vision, eventually becomes selfish and self-serving. And I think that's often where the church has gone wrong. We become about our thing, our ministry. How does this affect us? We begin to make decisions based on how we see things rather than the people we've yet to be reached. Eventually, we become selfish and self-serving. The church is no good to anyone if it's selfish and self-serving. And I love that only in the kingdom does surrender bring victory. Any other time you surrender, you're defeated. 
in the kingdom, when you surrender, that's where you find victory. It's amazing. So surrender into this kingdom. So, all right, John, that's great. So my life is in the context of the local church. Local church is the Great Commission, Great Commission Gospel, Gospel Kingdom. Well, there's the most important thing in it all. Yeah. What good is a, go- is a kingdom without a king? Yeah. What good is your life without a king? What good is the local church without the king? What good is the Great Commission without the king? What good is the gospel without the king? What good is the kingdom without the king? It all revolves around him. It's not a democracy. Americans love democracy, but kingdom's not democracy. There's a king and there's subjects, and the subjects serve the king. The king doesn't serve the subjects. So is Jesus supreme? First place in everything. We just read. He'll have it. Are we truly surrendered and submitted? Luke chapter 6, verse 46. We were in a meeting and everyone was worshipping and we are bowed down and it was this amazing time. I used this illustration. It was so real to me recently. And what a song. We were singing great songs like this morning and declarations and people, hundreds of people, people on their knees worshipping and young and old. And even some of the, the, the declarations were out of um, um, Revelation and the throne room and all this. And who's worthy to open? Worthy is the Lamb. And this is wow. And, and honestly, I was standing at the back going, God must be so pleased with this. This is so pleasing to me. My goodness, I can't imagine to Him. This is Him. And I felt in that moment, I wasn't even thinking about it. God said, Luke 6, 46. Why do they call me Lord, Lord, but do not do what I say? I mean, I didn't have the guts to stop that meeting and say, hey guys, before we get on our knees and thank Him and turn my awesome, what do we do when we get up and walk out? Our own thing or His thing? Why call him Lord if you don't do what he says? He actually says it. That's not a rebuke. It's fact. We can have these Sunday moments and going, wow, you're awesome and you're with us and you're a way maker and we love you. And then we go out there and do exactly what we want, even if he told us not. He's not Lord if we're not listening to him. He's not king if we're telling him what we want. He's not king if your life is the most important thing in your life or the local church, or the Great Commission, or any one of these great things from Him, if that's your focus, He's not King in your life. And that has no significance if He's not the King of it all. It's like that story with Jesus when He was with His disciples and breaking bread, and it was the last time that He was going to see them. You remember the story? I like to put myself in that position. If I was there, and Jesus says, this is the last time I'm going to, one of you will betray me. I would look around that room and go, it's you, Rodney, is it not? Yeah, I, knew, I knew it was going to be. I'm going to kill you. Don't you? I'd want to, I mean, serious, forgive me for being honest. I want to beat you up to betray my Savior, my Lord. Remember that story? Yeah. He says, one of you here will betray me. And you know what they did? They responded one by one. Surely not I, Lord. Surely not I, Lord. Surely not me, Lord. And then Judas, who did betray him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi, teacher. The one who betrayed him saw him as a teacher. The others who would never betray him saw him as Lord. It's quite a thing. It's easier to betray Jesus when you don't see him as Lord. It's easier to do your thing when he's not Lord. Just teacher, good philosopher, someone I go to in need rather than the king of my life. 
the Lord of the church, the Lord of our nation. How? We're seeking the governing of the Lord. We're seeking the guiding of the King. We're seeking the gathering for the King. This gathering is not about us. will never be about us. We are included. But if you're gathering for you, you're going to miss the point of it all. We gather for Him. Remember Billy Graham's thing? The King is here. That's why we're gathering. We're going, not for the church or for the mission. We go for the King. We grow for the King. Not so we can be cool, so we can represent Him better. That's why we grow. Individually and as a church. We do it for the glory of the King. All for the glory of the King. And my friends, when those things begin to happen more and more, I believe everything here finds its rightful place. Then the church can function in the bigness of the nations and the local. But it comes back to every individual not having a moment, living in the place. My life will always be lived in the context of the King. My local church will always be living in the context of the King. The Great Commission, the King, the Gospel, the King, the Kingdom, the King. And only this brings significance to any one of us. Ever. Ever. We need to shift our focus, friends. In 2020 was an interesting season, to say the least. And I was mad like everyone else. Where were the prophets? Where were the prophets? How come they didn't tell us? Why didn't they tell us? They should have warned us, because according to Amos 3, 7, God is not allowed to do anything without his, their, their permission, basically, which is nonsense. But anyway, I won't get into that. Where were the prophets? And I felt God say, where were we? Where were you? You don't need the prophets telling you what I'm doing. You have access to me as my people. And I began to say, oh, actually, we missed some things. And I began to teach. And I read, and we, all, we all probably looked at John 15 like never before, about abiding in Christ. And apart from me, you can do nothing. But it goes on and it actually says this. Jesus looks at his disciples. He says, I no longer call you servants but I now call you friends. And he goes on, he says, the reason is because a servant does not know his master's business, but I have revealed to you everything from my father. What Jesus was saying is, you're no longer my servants. I'm now calling you friends. And the reason you're my friends is because I've revealed to you the things my father has given to me. In other words, I felt that, that we needed a posture shift as the church. Moving from servants, we will always be servants, but servants don't know their master's business. Servants are caught off guard all the time, waiting for the prophets to tell us what's happening. Servant, uh, sons have access to the Father and know what He's doing. We've got to stop waiting for people to tell us what God is doing. We have the privilege of going to God and being sons and daughters. Where we can stop Googling information and get to the heart of the creator of all who gives us access to things and I'm, I'm not being weird here I'm saying we best have less surprises going forward if we stay attuned to posture shift he's not just my master he's also my friend and my friend entrusts me with the secrets of him and I endorse our, our, our prophets we have them on our team but their job is not to hear God for us their job is to help us hear God for ourselves their job is to confirm what God's already telling us, which means we better be going to God and not to the prophets. 
Are you there, my friends? For too long, we've allowed others to be Moses for us instead of we go up the mountain to be with God ourselves. We have that privilege, and that's what it means to be king. Not just he's everything and I bow to him. I get to connect with him daily. Don't go to Moses, the man of God. Go to God himself. Let's not have... There will be surprises, but we need to be less surprised if we shift our posture back to intimacy with him. Show me the secrets. Tell me, friend, you can trust me because I'm close to you and I'll live out what you say. Interesting, he didn't say, you call me friend. He said, I call you friend. Can we pray? Is that okay, Paul? Yeah, yeah, please. Would you just bowing your heads for a moment, please? Yeah. Thank you, guys. Father, we are incredibly grateful to you today for everything you are and everything you've done. These truths are not necessarily new for any of us. but We want them to be real for every one of us. All of us in this room are from different places and different, even we're probably in a different place right now, but wherever we're at, would we come back to this place? Jesus in all things, at first place. Even in our causes that are from you, let them never take the place of you. Even in our passion or hurt or discouragement, may we press into you more than we press into anyone or anything else. May you tune our ears to hear you. May we find our significance, not in what we do, but in who you are. I know this church is to be known for many things, but I ask that this church be known for truly representing Jesus Christ, the the Jesus of the Bible, not the Jesus of our culture. Not because they've studied the Word, but because they know you. You even said, you study the Word to know truth. I am the, the truth of Scripture. To believe in me is the work you called to do. Your word takes us back to you. It doesn't take us from you. So I do just pray for all the individuals here and those who have yet to come into this church that we will find that significance not in our gatherings, not in our mission. Let them be the byproduct of the most important ingredient, Jesus Christ. May we live in that place, not have moments, but live there. May you reveal all that you're doing in this time and season and our response to that. Trust us that we totally trust you. Thank you for what you have done in this season and even the five years here that while we can't always see what it looks like, we believe you are working even if we can't feel it or see it. We just want to be obedient and keep obeying. I pray for fresh courage and fresh revelation to to say yes to you continually and no to everything or everyone else. As you give clarity for individuals and for this church, for Paul and Minda, I pray just grace to see and greater revelation to see you, to live in that space and place and to find and to have courage to try things, but not for the sake of trying, for the sake of fulfilling the mission you've given us. We will all keep our eyes on you, not on each other, but on you. Not who's doing well, who's here, who's not. You, 
are the master builder of your church. You're the foundation. You're the message. You're the mission. It all revolves around you. So help our lives revolve around you. Take us where you want us to go. May we have impact in our region like never before. Not by numbers, but by impact for the gospel, the kingdom advancement. May we go to the nations as things open. May we be a nation's people coming in and going out. Not because we have to, because we get to. Because that's in your heart for us as a church. Whatever's limiting us, would you break it off this morning? Break it off. The, 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 this, this COVID and the season has caused us to shrink and even become inward and fearful of others. But Lord, would you break what needs to be broken? Protect this church and protect its mission and commission. Protect its revelation. May we grow together in greater revelation of you. May we live out in this season, not wait it out, live it out in the bigness of what you've intended for them in this place and from this place we pray. Have your way, King Jesus, as we freshly surrender to you, our great King. Have your first place in everything that we are. Help us to live there, to stay there, and adjust there. May you be glorified in and through us continually, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Thanks, Thank everybody. You. Right. Yeah. Great.